Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. They're all running together for me now. Yeah. Which one is this one? <laughs> Moonlighting. Oh. That's one of those shows like I knew of but was a little too young to... Yeah, that's uh, that's where where Bruce Willis really mm -hmm. got his start in True was on Moonlighting, and then did a couple of movies while the show was running. Uh, Didn't he and Civil Shepherd really not get along? I've heard that. I, I don't know that I've heard it from anybody reliable, but uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. There's a lot of that. I mean, that's the uh, was it Dirty Dancing, right? Isn't that the like the template um, for that? Where yeah. where they they were so in love in the movie and couldn't freaking stand each other when the cameras stopped rolling. They, this is something I know too much about, but I'm the perfect age too. Um, so they had, what's the movie that um, Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze were in before Dirty Dancing? Oh, I didn't know they were. Was she, yes. was she in, uh, oh, what's the name of that movie? Uh, the one that had everybody in it. Yes. The, uh, not Runaways, Outsiders. The out I, I always want to say Roadhouse. It's not Roadhouse. He did that later, right? I think so. Yeah, anyway. the the Outsiders was the one that had Patrick Swayze and C. Thomas Howell and Tom Cruise and Emilio Estevez and Jennifer. Uh, oh, what was her name? Uh, see, now I can't remember. But yeah, uh, I was it yeah. Red Dawn. Oh yes, eighty four. Yes, it was. Well done. Yeah, Very I, good, Colin. I, see, I wouldn't have picked that out because I hate that movie. Oh, and here comes the text <laughs> line. Yeah, yeah, text line's got it. Oh yeah, so like a hundred times. Yeah, there you go. So they apparently. That's where they met Jennifer Gray and Patrick Swayze and didn't like each other then. Like something happened on the set of that movie and they didn't like each other. Then Dirty Dancing comes up. Patrick Swayze is cast first. They do a screen test together for Dirty Dancing and it's amazing and incredible and the chemistry and oh my gosh. And so they're both cast. And in that, and yes. And then in the background, in the filming of that movie, they just hated each other. Yeah. They just absolutely could not get along to the point that the director sat them in a room, showed them their screen test again, and said, see how magical this was? And they were like, yeah, okay, I guess we'll- We'll make it work. We'll make it work, I guess. And so, <laughs> but yeah, they, they were never like mutual respect. And then of course he dies of pancreatic cancer later and she gets a nose job that's bad. I mean, you yeah. know, well, they both just kind of- Well, and the same was true of Moonlighting. Colin was just asking me off the air, what's what's Moonlighting all about? Oh. Uh, and so oh, I was kind of, to, yeah. I was trying to explain it. And the thing is, it, that show was so bizarre. Like, you know, something would happen and then all of a sudden the telephone on the desk would start talking. You know, it would grow a mouth and start talking yes. to one of the characters. It was it was weird. But, but again, the chemistry, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't get along off screen, but the chemistry between them on screen was fantastic. 
fantastic. Well, I asked because it's Bruce Willis in the mid-80s. Yeah. It just sounds right up my alley. Yep. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Talking phones, I don't know. If that's <laughs> yeah, it didn't happen every episode, but sure. but it was that kind of weirdness would go on. If you really want to see Bruce Willis from that era, uh, and a good friend of mine's in this movie, too, a uh, movie called Blind Date with him and Kim Basinger. Oh, God, I forgot all about that. Yeah. yeah. Stanley Jordan's in that movie. I will add it to my list. Yep. Yeah, good that flight. That might have been my first exposure to Bruce Willis was Blind Date. Okay. In terms of like actually watching him in something. It was right around that same time, yeah. So I, yeah. In fact, I don't even know which one came first. But I I have it in my head that he did Blind Date while Moonlighting was mid-run. Okay. But I could be wrong. All right. Um, Fox 4 had this story, um, and we heard about the story a lot here this week, uh, because this happened in Independence, and you have a guy who was just helping somebody out who had asked for a ride somewhere and he ended up being stabbed while he was behind the wheel giving this guy a ride and it got us talking more about helping out strangers and i mean if there were ever a story to make you think twice it's this one yeah and as i was reading the story i mean uh, i mean you set it up perfectly it was just a guy who happened to be outside another guy comes walking down the street and says hey my car's but gave him a sob story my car's broken down and and i need a ride. i just need a ride to target mm-hmm. and then once once i guess oh yeah sure no problem it's not that far hop in i'll drive you to target and i'll come back and on the way, the guy kept changing the day. De- oh, I don't really want to go to Target. I want to go to this place. I want to go to that place. And so finally, it got to the point where the driver, the the prospective good Samaritan in this, um, tried to pull over. And that's when the guy, the guy who stabbed him allegedly, picked up a steak knife out of the center console and threatened him with it. And then when he pulled over and pulled the keys, that's when the stabbing is alleged to have happened. Uh, we should point out, Doc Patton is the name of the guy that was stabbed. Mm-hmm. He lived and is living yeah. to tell about it. Right. Yeah, he was stabbed twice in the chest, which is amazing that he pulled through it as well as he did. This is how he describes it. Uh, they were on I-70 near Nolan Road. Patton said he tried to pull over, like realizes he needs to get this guy out of his car. That's when Riser, the other guy, jerked the wheel back and grabbed the steak knife from the center console. Uh, he said, we started to come back into a tra- into traffic right before Blue Ridge, and he told me to go around it or he'd stab me if I didn't. So he said, I went to the shoulder and I got the car slow enough to where I could throw the car into park and took the key out of the ignition. When he took the key out of the ignition and tried to get out of the car, that's when Riser stabbed him in the chest twice. Mm. Uh, he still has an open wound in his lung. Um, Gosh, his wife says... She's forced to drive the car still that this happened in. Um, After Patton was stabbed, he ran, jumped a five-foot fence, and a neighbor with a shovel chased Riser away. Uh, And they eventually found him. I mean, they eventually got the guy. Yeah. You know, it was funny, too, because I don't know. I mean, I I always want to help. If I I can help, I always want to help. But it would put me off more... If somebody came just walking down the street and asked for help in a situation like that, then if I came up on somebody that was obviously in need, like if I come up behind somebody and they're changing a tire on their car and they're obviously struggling with it, Mm -hmm. I'll pull over and say, hey, do you need a hand? And if they say, no, I got this. Okay, fine. You know, and I'll just drive off. But if they say, yeah, you use a hand. Okay, no problem. But that's how Bill Cosby's son ended up losing his life. 
Oh, remind me of that story. Ennis Cosby, who was the only boy. I think they had like six kids, but he was the only boy. Um, and he did. He uh, he came upon somebody who was changing a tire by the side of the road, or so he thought. But it was a setup. It was a trap. And he pulled up in a very expensive car, and they said, okay, this is our guy. So as soon as he got out to help, they killed him. Uh, yeah, I've forgotten about that story. So it's, it's not a guarantee. I mean, even my thought of, you know, now granted, nobody's going to see my car and go, yeah, this is the guy we need to hit. But but still, it was it was such an awful thing that it, it did put people off of that, of, you know, being able to recognize that as a trap. And my thought on that is nobody's that good an actor. If I see somebody who's authentically struggling with something, uh, you know, you can usually tell. Uh, or so I've convinced myself. It's probably not true at all. But yeah, I, I do think twice about it, but I'll still stop and help. Yeah, um, this gets into a lot of things. This, I feel, is a little different for men versus women. Or at least I feel like sometimes we are less inclined. I'll call 911 for you. Like, I will pull over and ask, especially, quite frankly, especially if it's a woman that's broke down on the side of the road. Um I will, I, I'm, I'm likely to pull over and ask if you need me to call for help and I will stay in my vehicle there with you until help arrives. I'm, I'm, I'm giving pause though, to getting out of my vehicle. Number one, I can't change your tire. I mean, there's very little that I can do for you if your car is broken down on the side of the road, but sometimes it's nice just to have somebody there with you. I can do that. But I'm thinking about things like if somebody knocks on your door asking for help mm -hmm. are are you inclined to open the door i don't think it happens that often anymore where somebody knocks on your door asking to use the phone because now people have cell phones sure but in that case are you are you letting a stranger into your house for that kind of help because remember ralph yarl right i, I mean i right. don't mean remember in that he's gone he's not but uh, yeah remember what happened with him where he got it was house number three if memory serves correctly where somebody mm -hmm. actually finally helped him and in that case, I think it does go to how obvious is the danger that they're in. I mean, he was bleeding and on the ground. So at that point, you know, yeah, you, you do whatever you can. Um, I think when somebody knocks on your door, what most of us would probably be inclined to do is talk through the door. What do you need? Yes. Okay. If you need to, you know, if you need a, an Uber or whatever, I'll set that up for you. No problem. But you stay there. I'll stay here. 913-586-7798. How do we feel about it? What's what's the, are you hesitant? Are you, um, are, are all these just kind of exceptions to the rule? And so you feel like the majority of the time it's going to go fine. Have you been in that position where you've needed help from a stranger also? And, and now you are inclined to give that help back, which I could totally see being the case as well here. Yeah, you got it. Phones are ringing, and we'll go to you in just a second. If you want in, 913-586-7798. 913-586-7798. Do, do you think twice about it? Um, do you help at all? I mean, if you see somebody or uh, who is, in your mind, in need of some kind of assistance, or might be, do you even stop and ask? Or if somebody comes to you asking for help, are you likely to see what you can do to help out, or are you the kind that's going to say, no, I, I'm really just not comfortable because I don't know who you are. And I mean, obviously, in a case like this, there's no right or wrong answer to any of this. It's just a matter of how comfortable you are with somebody that you've never met before. And I think in this case, again, it's shown that sometimes that concern is warranted. 
Uh, 913-586-778. Let's go to the phones first. Uh, Topeka is where we go to talk to Mike. Hi, Mike. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, good. Great. Um, so, yeah, I often will help people. In fact, I did it just a couple of days ago. There was a, a gal that her car broke down on the off-ramp, um, and she was in the middle of the road and was kind of blocking traffic. And so I offered to help push her car to a safe place while she waited for AAA. Um you know, but I think, you know, I, I will admit that I very rarely, if ever, help men. It's usually women that I help because I have a lot of women in my family. And I know that if, if one of them was stranded or stuck somewhere, I would want someone to stop and offer to help them as well. Um, now, if it's an elderly gentleman, then, you know, I, I may be more apt to, to stop and help. Um, but that just comes down, uh, you know, to my own personal safety. And if I feel like the person actually needs or could benefit from my assistance. Um, as far as some, if someone came to my door, you know, like the Ralph Yarl situation, I would absolutely answer it and, and help them out. I would not let them in my home, though. Okay. Yeah, and, and that's that, yeah, that that hard line of demarcation. It's like right at the doorstop. That's I'll come out and help you, but don't you come in. Because that, that yeah. seems intrusive. L- let me flip the, the thing with with the women in your family around on you for just a minute, though. Yeah. What do you tell them or have you had a conversation with them about what help to accept? Because that's a dangerous situation, too. If a woman's on the side of the road with a flat tire, she's vulnerable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, A lot of it is um, learning different mannerisms and characteristics of the person trying to help you. Mm -hmm. You know, having a a good judge of character. You know, when when I approached the lady um, that was was stuck, I first I got her attention from a long distance so that she knew I was coming. I wasn't sneaking up on her. Sure. Um, And then asked her, you know, do you need help? What's going on? And then slowly approached, you know, and, 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 and did my best to convey a sense of safety. And I'm here to help you. Um, so that that knowledge of how to um, break down a situation is is pretty vital. But then also, if for whatever reason, if you have even the slightest inkling of something's not right, end it. You know, or if 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 the person isn't wanting to leave, immediately call nine one one. Yeah. And, you know, and just tell them, hey, there's someone here. I don't feel comfortable. Um, but always, you know, trust your instincts. You know, if something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. Well said. Well said. Um, Thanks, Mike. Yeah. And that thing about distance is an important thing, too. I think he's right about that, that, you know, when when you're two feet away from somebody asking, do you need any help? (laughs) That that can seem a little off putting. But if you're 20 feet away, you pull the car over and stop and don't even get out of the car. Just open the window and say, hey, is there anything I can do for you? And if they say no, okay, you're, you're good and just drive on. Yeah, I think we can talk about, too, the ways that if we need help, the way that we can assure that person that we're not an axe murderer. (laughs) What can you do to assure that person that you actually do need the help and you're not a safety risk? Yes, because wearing a shirt that says, I'm not an axe murderer, (laughs) probably not the right way to go about doing that. Not going to do it. All right, we need to get to a break. Diane, hang on the line. Get to more of your stories coming up here on KMBZ. Would you help a stranger... If they asked you or if you drove down the road and saw somebody in distress, does it make a difference if they're, if they're male or female? We started off talking about the story out of Independence where you have a guy that was just working on his car outside. Stranger walks up and says, hey, I had car trouble. Can you give me a ride to Target? He does. He ends up being stabbed in the chest twice. Yeah, and it just, it had somebody on the text line put it perfectly as the things that we were talking about, about the things you have to watch out for. And they just said, you know, this makes it all the harder 
for people like me who really do want to help, that the suspicion is on us. And I feel the same way. That's why, like Mike, if I'm in that situation, I always try to give them the out. And it's like, if if you tell me no once, the answer is no. I'm not going to try and you know, push help on you. If you say, no, I got it, it's covered. Okay, fine. Just wanted to check and, and then drive off happily. Um, but it's sad that that has to happen because a lot of... Well, you know, a lot of potential harm could be avoided if people just did nice things. Diane and Leavenworth is next with us. Hi, Diane. Hi, guys. How is everybody? How's Great. it going? I'm telling you what, I live out in the county, and I've stopped many a time, you know, for people when I see them on the highway or the roads, and I always keep my door locked, and I stay a distance back, but I ask them, you know, I roll down the window a little bit. And I'll ask them if they need any help finding dandy. They do. I'll call somebody for them or I'll get somebody. And other than that, I don't get out or anything. But you was talking about flat tires. Let me tell you what. I've had to change many of them by myself, my dad does. <laughs> and let me tell you what. If somebody come up on me, that, let me, that jack handle, it will do harm. You know, you know so... Uh, is is there anybody that you would trust to do that? I mean, if you're changing the tire and I drove by you and just rolled the window down and said, hey, do you need any help? Would you say, no, I got this? Or would you say, yeah, come on, give me a hand? No, I'd say, no, thank you. I, I know how to do it. Gotcha. And, and, and have a good day. Okay. Get on down the road, dude. <laughs> I'll but, I'll keep that in mind, Diane. <laughs> right. I mean, just don't, don't put, you know, women aren't really that all that real especially when you get them all angry. So, you know, most of us can learn or have learned to take care of some of the car situations, but they're not all little meek and, and mild things, let me tell you. Some of them can whip butt and take names. <laughs> all right. Diane, thanks. I like it, Thank Diane. Thank you very much for the call. Uh, this is why I pay for AAA every year i've had triple a every year since i turned 16. yeah like the one year i didn't get it i needed it and then paid for it right away because it was stupid for me not to have it and it's just for that reason so that i'm not changing a tire loan so that i'm not if i um yeah like i've locked my keys in my car just so that i have i can just call them to help yeah well you know what even if you don't have it and you're getting that vibe from somebody that's like uh no i don't want you to help me that's not a bad excuse now nah, called AAA 15 minutes ago. They should. They said they'd be here in like two minutes. Yeah, and it's an amazing service. I mean, they keep in yeah. touch with you via text. They let you know how close they are and how long it's going to be. And if an emergency, they pick things up. I mean, so it's it's a good way to go here. Good way to get somebody out of your hair, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> Heather in Kansas City. Hi, Heather. How's it going? Going well. Great. Hey, listen, I have a, a long story I'll make short, but I Many years ago, I was delivering a pizza in the dark, rain, country road. Look over, car in the ditch. So, of course, I stopped to say, do you guys need help? And this is back before cell phones or anything. And then I hear a voice yell, yeah, go for help. We've crashed. And as I'm turning around, trying to you know, go back from where I came because I was out in the country, the lady, this lady jumped on my hood grabs my windshield wipers and says, let me in the car. He's killing me. Wow. And oh, then wow. Then I kept saying, ma'am, please, you know, let go of my windshield wipers. You're going to break them. And 
she just kept saying, let me in the car. And finally, she just looked at me right through the windshield, and she said, if you leave me here, he will kill me. Wow. So I let her in my car, and he had beaten her. All her hair was pulled out of her head. She had, you know, peed herself. She was bloody, and I took her away. I won't tell you the rest because it's a long story, but at the end of the day, the cops said there was a big butcher knife in the car, and I'm lucky I wasn't stabbed or killed or that it wasn't a setup. Wow. Okay, so so she had a knife on her. No, he had. Oh. He did in the middle of the console of the car that had wrecked in the ditch. Oh, okay. Wow. When the cops found him later. Ah. And I said, you know, they said, you really shouldn't stop and help people. And I said, well, you know, I was brought up to, to stop and help. Uh, you know, but you can get set up, too. I, you know, it could have been a setup, but it wasn't. Right. He was just angry with her and took her out in the country and was beating her, trying to beat her to death, and they crashed. And I just happened to come along and offer help. Well, you must so, have you must have thought about it twice. It's like, do I let her in? Is this a setup? Oh, you know, yeah, is she going to come after me? What What was it but that? Then when she looked at me through the windshield, right in my eyes, and said, "If you leave me here, he will kill me." Mm-hmm. I couldn't say no. That's what tipped it for you. I did tell yeah. her when she got in the car. I looked at her, and she was holding all of her hair in her hands, mm-hmm. and I could tell she was for real. But I did say. You're not going to mess with me, are you? And she says, no, just drive or he's going to kill us. So I did. Wow. All right. (laughs) Uh, Heather, thank you. Yeah, I'm sure. uh, Thanks for the call. I'm sure that we're going to hear from people who say that she did the wrong thing. But, yeah, I mean, how, how do you know? How do you know if it's somebody who's telling you the truth or somebody because I mean if if somebody wants to get at you, if somebody wants to rob you or do whatever, they're going to be that convincing or at least try to be. So, how do you know? You don't. And a lot of you're saying on the text line you got to just trust your gut and you just cuz I think a lot of us want to be hopeful about that. Yeah. You don't want to think that that's going to be you know, they're asking for help. You don't want to think that that's going to be what happened in independence. Either. Sure. Well, yeah. And and somebody else on the text line brought up a, a while ago uh, that trusting their gut is what got the first, oh, probably 10 of Ted Bundy's victims killed because he was asking for help. He had the phony cast on his arm and was asking for help getting his canoe or his kayak or whatever back on top of his car. And as soon as they would help him out, he'd shove him into the car where there was no passenger seat because he had taken it out and drove off. They couldn't get out of the car. Wow. All right. 913-586-7798. Uh, still to come this hour, as long as we're we're talking about horrible things happening here, we will get to the story out of Topeka, um, what happened with this five-year-old girl. And we ask, how did the how was this able to happen when you had the state that was called so many times? Get to this coming up here on KMBZ. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, this next story is a rough one. Here's your warning about what the uh, the story is going to include here. In particular, what happened to this five-year-old girl in Topeka. Uh, we're going to go through some of the details here which are all all difficult. We got to talk about the state's role or lack of a role here and how this is able to happen, how we're able to get here with this. Yeah, it's the, the story of a five-year-old girl, as Jamie said, named uh, Zoe Felix. And she was, uh, she did not live through this. She was killed in brutal fashion. Uh, she was also sexually assaulted. And I mean, it's just a horrible story. And it's one of these stories where you're going to hate everyone involved. Yeah, because you listen to what the witnesses and the neighbors and everybody said after her death, and they were all saying the same thing. This is a story out of Topeka, if we didn't mention that. Uh, but it, it, um, everybody knew her, this little five-year-old girl, because they said that she was frequently seen walking unsupervised around the neighborhood. So everybody knew that, and how that doesn't end up in somebody being taken care of and how that doesn't make you think, okay, it's one thing to see kids out playing. It's mm -hmm. another thing to see a kid frequently in a neighborhood at a very young age, at five years old, and you never see an adult around. That's got to be a red flag. The fact is there was a very good reason why there was no adult around. And for the life of me, I cannot imagine a mother kicking a five-year-old out of a house. I do not have words. Yeah, how does that for that? I, I, I don't have words. Right, uh, I'm I'm in that same situation. Um, now we get to this line in the story, where and this is out of the uh, I believe this is uh, CJ Online, the Topeka Capital Journal newspaper. This is out mm -hmm. of their uh, version of the story that the man who is charged in the assault and the death um, was a 25 year old acquaintance of hers how is a 25 year old man an acquaintance of a five-year-old girl yeah um i have another version of this that says it's not clear what his connection was to the rest of the family yeah we got to talk about mom's background here too in a second because she's got quite the criminal history mm -hmm. also yeah and i don't i don't know what that has to do with anything but ultimately the way the story ends is that um the man who is accused here so so we told you it was horrible so this five-year-old girl turns up badly injured at a gas station and is taken to a hospital and that's where she dies and that's where they find out what happened i don't know exactly how they were led how how they ended up getting to the suspect but they did get to him and they arrested him and that's where we learn about this child's background about like john said the mother a couple of weeks ago this is witnesses that said this take this this is neighbors that said this yeah neighbors had said a few weeks ago that the mother of this child i don't know how many people were living in this house but mom kicked them all out 
everybody. And so as a result of that, this five-year-old and this suspect and whoever else was living there ended up on the street. I mean, ended up being homeless and living, living at a campsite. As John said, the neighbors described this five-year-old girl kind of without adult supervision all the time. She wasn't in school, she just kind of ran around. And the neighbors said, if we didn't feed her, if, if the community here didn't come together to take care of this girl the way that we the way that we tried to, nobody would have. That's she was fed by the neighbors. She was clothed by the neighbors. And so then you have this this guy that ends up assaulting and killing this girl, allegedly. So neighbors said multiple times they contacted the state. And this is the part, I mean, all of this is painful, but this is the part that we tell people call authorities, call yeah. and report, call and report. This is and where this it, is an obvious case where you call and report. Right. And this is where it could have ended easily. Right. I mean, it, it, if, if somebody had done their job, the story would have ended there and she would have been taken into state custody and taken care of. Yeah. Um, the state's not talking about it. They can't talk about it. Uh, the Shocker. governor's not commented on it. But neighbors said they contacted the Kansas Department for Children and Families several times to report Zoe as a victim of neglect. How did that fail? Yeah. How did that fail? How was if she's five? How was there not a car out there that afternoon with a state of Kansas logo on it somewhere? And I don't, I don't know what the topic here is. I don't know what to ask, but if you have thoughts here, 913-586-7798. But they said, I mean, in this girl's house, when they eventually did go look, I mean, it was covered in, just Filth. think of the most deplorable conditions you can think of. Mm -hmm. um, so mom has a history. Mom had been... I have 16 versions of the story up in front of me, so let me get to the right one here. Um, mom had, according to the Capital Journal, Zoe's mother pleaded guilty in March to aggravated battery causing bodily harm with a deadly weapon to a child born in 2018, identified by the initials ZF. So this child. Yeah. Mom was placed on 18 months of supervised probation for the aggravated battery conviction. So then I ask, how did this child end up back in the custody of this woman convicted of battery against the child. Against her, yeah. yeah. I, I, how did the state not immediately step in at that point, long before she was out on the street and say, okay, this child's never going to be in contact with you ever again, at least until she's 18 and then it's her decision. But for now, you're, you're not going to be caring for her because you don't. So that's not going to happen, but it did. And and she ended up, yeah, you're right, 18 months of probation. So no jail time, uh, except for whatever she may have, you know, the, like the day right. of before she bonded out or whatever. So no jail time at all. She wasn't sentenced to any time behind bars. And then the child ended up back in her custody within 18 months. Uh, I and, and may have all along, as far as we know. So it just, it boggles the mind how any of this could have happened. And, and what it makes me think of, because this is so far removed from any of our experience, is how many of her are running around right now, and we just don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Because to, this is shocking to us, but I would be willing to lay odds that there's a segment of this population that this does not shock at all. And look, yeah, that's, that happens. Guess what? There's homeless kids in this world.
Yes, you're right. And we don't think about that enough. Um, and I just feel like there were multiple opportunities here for this to not have happened. I don't know how this girl ended up back in mom's custody. This is why we have the foster system. Yep. I mean, this is why this is why CASA exists. This is why we have a foster system. Now we have a shortage of foster homes, make no mistake. I mean, there have been a lot of stories of, particularly in Kansas, uh, of kids that then slept in the offices of people that work for the state those kids ended up being assaulted. I mean, so there there are problems all over the system. Took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, there, there, there's abuse inside the foster system, too. No yeah. system is perfect. But when you've got something that's this bad, and she ends up back in the house with the woman that you know assaulted her, you said with a knife? If I did, I don't remember saying. Bodily harm. Did I say knife? I, uh, um, I, I, I may have, yeah, that, that may have been in my yeah. head. Uh, deadly weapon. Deadly weapon. So, okay, that's yeah. what it was. So something, knife, mm -hmm. gun, uh, you know, something along those lines. Um, and yet she ends up back in the same house with that woman who then kicked her and everybody else out. And again, how, how does any human being look in the face of a five-year-old child and say, get out? There has to be drug abuse there, right? That has to be something you only do under the influence. You know, I almost don't want to give her that cover. I, I mean, yeah. you're probably right. Yeah. But given the, the heinous nature of this, I almost don't want to give her that cover. I I mean, I I hope because the, the man who was responsible for this or allegedly responsible, according to the state, the man that they suspected this has been charged mm -hmm. and he's been charged with rape and murder and uh, let's see, it's uh, capital murder, first degree murder and rape. So that's already done. But um, if, even after the first set of charges and the 18 months of probation and everything else, by kicking her out of the house, that, because it's a five-year-old, is felony child neglect. I want mom charged with murder. I want the felony murder rule to apply here because that murder took place as a result of her actions, and her actions were a felony. So Yeah, I'm I, on board. Yeah, I, I want her— Okay. For, for forgetting what outside looks like. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Um, and then I ask, like, can we just fire everybody at the State Department of Children and whatever then? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just, I look at that and go, um, like, this is that we always say, like, change isn't going to happen until something really tragic happens. Yeah. Well, here's the really tragic thing that happened now. So who got the call? who ignored the call or who didn't communicate the information multiple times, who's responsible here. And quite frankly, I'm, um, I mean, I don't, I don't want to convict some, I, we don't know, maybe it was an accident, but there's just gotta be a system in place for there not to be an accident for it not to fall through the cracks. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that people resign over. Yeah. Like leadership people resign over. Oh, we got a, a text in from the 913 that reads, unfortunately, CPS can be a joke. Uh, I made multiple reports about neglect for a child, and it wasn't until a family member took the child in and fled for, uh, or filed rather, for guardianship before something was done. Hundreds of calls were made. And that sounds like exactly the same situation here that you had neighbors all over the place calling saying something's got to be done about this little girl. She's homeless. She's five. She has no nobody in charge of her. Something's got to be done. And the state went, yeah, we'll get to it. Or did, they, did it even make it past a hotline phone call? Mm -hmm. 
913-586-7798. We can go to the phones here if you have thoughts. Feel free to get in. Yeah, let's bring in Amy in Overland Park. Hi, Amy. Hi there. Um, I'm a CASA for Johnson & Wyandotte counties, and I cannot tell you enough that you have to keep calling and keep calling and keep calling. This is a state program. Um, it's state-funded, uh, and people don't want to you know, pay extra taxes, but this is where your taxes go. And I, I keep telling people, local elections, local, everything, you have to fund the programs that make a difference. And I see this all the time. Uh, the neglect is unbelievable and you just have to keep calling it's anonymous um you have to be very specific when you call and outline everything that you see i mean every the extremely specific be extremely um detailed in what you say because obviously this was the one that fell through the cracks but like i said these workers have 18 to 25 people on their work case and it is just overwhelmed and it's sad it really is uh, how many uh, i mean in, in, in a city the size of topeka because you have some experience in this area how many five-year-old kids are walking around on the streets zero so this one definitely was at the level of emergency urgent, beyond urgent emergency and like i said something fell through the cracks here um i would just say you have to keep calling um dcf um, I'm just speaking from experience in Johnson and Wyandotte County. Uh, you, you have to call the hotlines, especially, uh, you know, even if you have to take them to the hospital and say, or, or take them to the police station and say, this person is walking the streets alone. Because like you said, she's five years old. That mom is responsible. She should be held responsible for throwing her out of the house. That should have been a police issue right there yeah. because she is neglecting a child under the age of 18. Yeah. And to that, the Topeka police chief has been asked about it and wouldn't confirm whether they had any contact with this family before this. Yeah. But they were asked. And it's just a big, it's just a huge organization. And unfortunately, um, things do fall through the crack. And this is the most horrific example. But there are great outcomes. But also, I just have to say, you have to keep calling. You cannot give up. Okay. All right. Uh, Amy, thank <laughs> thanks, you. Amy. And, and thanks for doing what you do with CASA as well. Um, real quick here. Uh, let me get back to that version. So the state has. Um, oh, I lost it now. There was a version, of, oh, here it is. Uh, there was a version of this that said that when a child dies as a result of neglect, the state has seven days from the date of death to release a report about what they knew or how they responded or not. So we'll learn more about this by this time next week. Yeah, TikTok. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, we have to get to a break. We have callers on hold. Hang with us here. We'll get to your calls next on KMBZ. We're talking about this case of this five-year-old out of Topeka. Uh, yeah, several of you are texting in, reminding us of the Adrian Jones case that happened uh, here that we can refresh you on here in a second. Um, Please do, John, yeah, that because that preceded you by yet. a little bit. Yeah, yep. that was a case where um, some of you remember Adrian Jones was, I believe he also was five years old, but he was young. And he also died at the hands of, and I think it was dad and stepmom uh, who were convicted there. Uh, he was seven at the time. Okay. Um, by, by, yeah, dad and stepmom. Um, tortured, brutalized for years. Multiple calls made to Missouri and Kansas Department of Children. And at one point, um, Missouri officials had said 
they decided to not remove him. Like they were going to do intensive checks, but they weren't going to remove him. And then he died. Yeah. The version I just sent you of this, um, because I can't remember how this ended, was they eventually were sued. The state was eventually sued. Social workers were sued. And there was a court that said, um, and, and there was a lower court that said public employees were shielded from liability. You couldn't sue them Great. and hold them responsible. Doesn't bode well for this case. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Um, yeah, again, it's it's those unimaginable uh, unimaginable things that that when they happen, we go looking around for somebody to blame. And the the unfortunate part in this case is there seems to be. It's like I said at the beginning, it's everybody involved in this story. You could point a lot of fingers in a lot of different places, but the ones who are supposed to be the the uninvolved or or uninterested i guess third party in this who's supposed to come in when everybody else is failing is the state itself and what did they do they failed too i will get to your call here in a second but i just want to put on the table that having done casa training and knowing a little bit about the, uh, about the foster care system i ask are we too inclined to return a child to mom and dad in cases like this, because usually the goal is get them back with mom and dad, yeah. keep them out of the system and get them back to mom and dad. I'm wondering a little bit, are we too inclined to do that? Because that's exactly what happened in the Adrian Jones case. And it's come they up. went repeatedly and kept returning him back to mom and dad. Sure. And it's come up a number of times on the text line, a number of times on the text line as well, where people have said exactly the same thing, that the system is designed to, to put kids back. Well, if it was a problem bad enough that you took kids away in the first place, why is that your inclination to put them back? Because don't you know what's going to happen when you do that? It seems completely wrongheaded to me. Uh, I, I understand breaking up a family is a hard thing to do. Taking children away from their parents is a hard thing to do, and it should be. But once you get to that point, it should be just as hard to get them back into that home. There should be a lot of hurdles that have to be cleared in order for the way to be cleared for them to go back into the home. And in this case, none of that was going to happen, even though it did. Let's go to Mary and KCMO and see, she, see what she's thinking about this. Hi, Mary. My niece used to be a social worker, and she said, Auntie, I have to quit. She was getting too depressed and too upset because they send these parents with these classes. Then they give them right back to the baby, right back to the parents. And then the parents ended up abusing him and killing him again. So what's what's the point? And she had to take on so many cases because all those other ladies, they didn't care. The people, the other social workers, and they were packed with a bunch of cases. So I'm sorry to tell you all, but they don't care. They yeah. just don't. Um, I think they do care. I, I'm no, going to don't. believe. My niece worked for them. No, they don't. My niece worked for them. They don't care. She tried and tried and tried. Well, just do the best you can, as they kept telling her. What? <laughs> so she quit. She quit because they don't care. I'm telling you the truth. I'm sorry okay. to be telling right. you that, but it's true. Thanks, Mary. Okay. Um, I mean, I can't argue with her experience, but I, but I believe, I guess I, I'm talking about the people that are on the front lines. I think the intention is right. I think I, I'm choosing to believe that people that get into that profession choose that profession that's not easy and not well paid because they care otherwise why would you do it mm -hmm. i don't know how you fix a system like i keep saying to myself school districts that fail get taken over by the state like can, can we who can take this over for a bit until we know how to make it work yeah uh and i think i mean to both of your points because i think in in some ways maybe you were talking you know, she was talking past you a little bit is that uh you know it 
it's easy to get either to the point where you can't take it anymore or you get inured to it because it's around you all the time. You can't deny that the system is broken, but you have to keep plugging away and doing your part of it. But if you care too much about it, then uh, you're going to drive yourself crazy. We'll follow this one. Uh, we'll take a break here. Uh, we'll lighten this up. Donna Kelsey on the Today Show. We'll get to that and more coming up on KMBZ. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.